Hi, I'm Jerry Grant, and this is a series of programs we're calling Disc Jockey Confidential here on WVUD and WVUD HD1 Newark, the voice of the University of Delaware. I'll be interviewing some of my fellow VUD jocks to find out what path they took to arrive here at the radio station. We'll discuss their earliest experiences with music and radio and how those experiences inform their own show currently on WVUD. Today's guest is Steve Klinge, host of All Tomorrow's Parties, uh, one of our popular evening specialty shows on Tuesday nights here on WVUD. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing okay, Jerry. Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming down. Why don't you describe your show a little bit? It's kind of like an old school college radio show, what, what college radio used to be when, when it, was, it was kind of a thing. It's a, it's a mix of uh, you know, maybe, maybe about half new stuff and half stuff from you know, throughout the decades. You know, uh, a lot of indie rock stuff, but, but it can be a different from week to weeks. Usually what I do is pick some new record, play three or four Three songs from it. Four is the elite, more more than we can do according to the FCC now. Yes, right. Three songs in the two hours, and mm-hmm. then uh, and then you know segue in and out of that that genre and idea and try to surprise people. Tell me, where were you born? I was born outside of Philadelphia in Abington, Pennsylvania. Moved around a bit when I was a youngster, and then ended up in New Jersey when I was a you know, young kid, and then Delaware from like junior high on. And what brought you down to Delaware? My dad and DuPont. Ah, yes. <laughs> As so many journeys began, right. began in the right. you know, way back when. What are your earliest uh, memories of music? Do you, I mean, just as music. As music. The mid-1960s and the monkeys on television. And that, that, that sort of started me being interested in, in listening to music and buying things and, and consuming it. Sure. And all my, my taste as a, whatever, seven-year-old or something like that. How about earlier than that? Was there music in your house? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, my, my dad uh, plays piano, was a bit of an accordion prodigy when he was, he was a youngster Good. back in Indianapolis. Uh, so, the, and, and there was the, like the, this, this hi-fi or stereo around and, and, and music playing. I'm not sure. Like, some pop stuff, some some like like classical things, some show tune stuff, you know. But there was there was there was music. My pa- parents were the kind of people who put a record on during dinner. And was there uh, was radio playing in your house uh, in the early days? Yeah, yeah. I don't have too much too many rec- recollections when I was a little kid of, of of listening to radio when I was really young. But then whams, you know, like like when when I was sure. you know, uh, well th- that would have been here. So that would have been when I was like 12 or so when we moved down here. Rams 13. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I remember, you know, I remember kind of paying attention to top 40 countdowns. You know, when it was like like uh, Three Dog Nights, Joy to the World. I kind of rem- have some memory of like end of the year list and being excited to hear what the what the song was. Sure. And that was going to be at the mid, what, 72? Well, no, early yeah, that, like that, when, yeah, 70, 71, one, I think, for maybe, Three Dog yeah, Night. I'm thinking. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, I would, I would say 70, 71. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I have, I have memories of that kind of stuff, too. Uh, did you ever take any music lessons or piano lessons for for a while and um, and kind of stuck with that for years growing up, but never really got comfortable good at it. And then took a little guitar lessons a little bit, mandolin a little bit, but nothing that got me far enough to feel like I was able to to kind of play confidently. My dad was not intimidating, uh, very supportive and everything like that, but he was also very very talented and I never got to the point where I could just sit down and play and he could do that. Did you have siblings? A sister, a sister who's uh, 
know, cared about music, but not the way, like, not the fanaticism that I, I had. Was she older? Younger, two years younger. Oh, younger. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. So the records around the house, so their parents' records, so I'm guessing it's show tunes and, or, or and, no, or no. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. some shows too, stuff, but, but they were also, um, they would buy like the occasional Beatles record and things like that too. They were, they were kind of oh. friendly with younger people and in, in, in interested in that. I remember like the old Temptations, was the Puzzle People record, something like that. I remember sure. that being yeah. around mm-hmm. too. So, so there was, there was some pop stuff like that. Too. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I kind of think the kind the kind of thing where uh, something new was out there and they would make a random impulse purchase and enjoy it and play it play it around the house too. Cool. So many of those are now in my my record stacks. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, sure. Did you, what's your first memory of hearing live music? I had a friend when I was in high school. Well, when I, a little bit younger than that, I had a, a cousin who was living with, with us for a little while and. I guess maybe early high school days, she took me to my first concert, which was at the Spectrum. I'm kind of proud of this. It was the Allman Brothers with Muddy Waters opening up. Whoa. So, Whoa. Whoa. So, yeah, I, I got some culture cred with that one, maybe. But as at my first concert, as a, you know, maybe a 13-year-old, 14-year-old, too. That's, uh, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. And who else is like traffic and things like that back, back then. But then I had a buddy who was also kind of into music, and we, we sort of shared – Shared interest, and then we would start like like our parents were were nice enough, confident enough, generous enough, let us drive up to the tower to go see things, and um, and that that was you know sort of by by high school, early high school, um, it was a lot of prog rock stuff, you know, like, like Yes and Genesis and Tangerine Dream and things things right. along those lines. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, it was just kind of like like uh, that was like WMMR. FM weirdness time and Springsteen stuff. Like we saw Springsteen shows back, back then too. But So you were listening to MMR. That answers that, that question. Yeah. Well, so, but I mean, say like grade school, you're probably listening to the Whams. Right. That yes. Right. No, yeah. 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 Top 40 stuff. I remember calling in requests, uh, winning something from Ed Shockey at, at, at WMMR or, or IOQ or something like that. Some, and, and having to go up to Ballackinwood and pick it up like uh, some, some 12 inch or something like that. For, for some oh, some cool. like random contest in high school, you just an MMR in high school, I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. I think it was mostly MMR and, you are and IOQ. That. that kind of I think that I, they were they were also kind of like an equivalent progressive radio or whatever. I forget what they called that format in the trades. They called it something. Yeah, was YSP around when you started? Or yeah, I think I think so, but I don't I, I don't really remember that one being on my consciousness quite as much mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was living in North Wilmington, so down here, like XDR things wasn't accessible to me. I, I, this would have been later, but there there was a little time, like early early eighties, where some of the some of the the um, early hip hop stations were playing cool stuff that you know I was I was kind of interested in that, so I was tuning into. I forget what what, what the what the call letters were, but some of, some of the stations that were playing like early. Grandmaster Flash stuff and run DMC that couldn't hear elsewhere. And one of the stations, MMR or something like that, somebody bringing in like this. This must have been like seventy six or something. Bringing in a Clash single and like like here here is like this punk rock stuff happening in England, and here we're, we're going to play uh, Clash City Rockers or, or something something like that. And that was something like like we'd never heard before. I was reading about it and kind of, but but that 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 kind of like punk rock changed my life too, you know. Uh, and and that was. I was infiltrating some of that just because it was like 
music on the edge of stuff and same place, places we're interested in playing some of that or exposing people to that too. Right. It's interesting you say that. I wonder if, I don't remember MMR like playing The Clash right away or, I mean, you know, I used to own a record store. Yeah, I remember us, right, right, I remember us standing thing. outside when the day the Ramones came out and BJ, the, our, one of our co-owners, mm-hmm. said, check this out. And he put it on and we all went like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's like, that's, I mean, you know, there are really things that are different. You know yeah. what I mean? But that yeah. was, whoa, that is different. Really? That is, and you could just see right away it was going back to the most basic stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just kind of an eye opener, right? You know? Right, and I, I don't think they, they like they put it on their playlist. But the, the thing I remember it was like, let's play it once and let people hear it. And here's a, here's this odd thing. How about the evolution of your musical taste? Let's talk about that. So after you start with the monkeys, uh, yeah. where are you going after Mon- that? So where is going with that after that? Monkeys, I mean, I, a lot of monkeys, like monkeys fan club, like like a deep oh, deep really? into the monkey stuff. You should talk you know? to George yeah. Stewart sometime. Yeah. That's something yeah. you have in common. Okay. Uh, disposable income as a as a you know preteen spent on monkeys records and, and right, things. Right. But then other other pop stuff like like that. Uh, you know, like like Paul Revere and the Raiders, like Mark Lindsay stuff. I sure, remember. sure. Uh, uh, you know, Cat Stevens records. Uh, but I was uh, I was like spending my 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 allowance on three ninety nine records and ninety nine cent singles or forty nine cent singles. Right, right. For most of my life, kind of things. Sure. Uh, Do you remember the so, first record you bought with your own money? I mean, uh, generally, or uh, yeah, or? I, I would imagine. Well, I'm not sure exactly the first one, but but I'm 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 almost positive it's like some early Monkeys album. Okay, too. yeah, good. Like like one of the first ones, uh, and again came came to through that to TV. But then then it, then I guess like some some pop stuff, and then it evolved into whatever prog rock stuff for a while, and and I was a big Springsteen fan and rock and roll things. Then punk rock happened and new wave, and I kind of went in that direction because I was like, I, I, I was you know, sixteen, seventeen when punk rock happened. So, uh, so uh-huh. like like that, that, that I was uh-huh. the prime age. Where were you buying your records up there? Were you- uh, up up there? Was, I remember buying them at like Sam Goody and things like that in the the mall. Uh, we'd make pilgrimages up to Plastic Fantastic up in um, Bryn Mawr. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, big excursions in the summer up to Princeton Record Exchange. Uh, some at some at Burt's. Uh, sure. Too, which was part of my part of my record store journey. Worked there for for a while later on in my oh, life. Oh, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Sound. What was what was what was it like like sound, a Concord Mall like the like this Sound Odyssey. Sound Odyssey. You think like so? That, that was and a, then, yeah. And then there there was one for a while in Tallyville. Another like little independent, the Tallyville Shopping Center. I forget the name of that. I knew the owner this of that. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, my mom would be shopping at the grocery store, and I would go to the record store <laughs> too. Yeah, right. sure. But then there were there were also there was always like a little bin in the in the drugstore you know and happy harry's and sure you know sure. I'd, I'd gravitate to that you know not always buy things but then you know that would that would be my stopping point sure well i used to the right. bus used to transfer at the we would take the bus home sometimes the the dart bus and it transferred at ninth and market and uh that was woolworth back then oh yeah or grants i think it was woolworth's and they would always they'd have the yeah. three singles three singles in a bag for 99 cents like yeah 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 that's i mean that's where i was you mm-hmm. know stuff like that <laughs> Oh, that's Sports cool. Stuff, yeah. And what's the one on Philadelphia Pike? How about the other guy used to have a lot of imports and yeah, stuff? Yeah, that's Burt's, right? No, no that's oh, not Philadelphia Burt's. Park. Yeah, Philadelphia oh, Pike. Oh, Jeremiah's. Jeremiah's, right. Yeah, right, yeah right. that was one too. Right. Right. I hardly ever got up there, but... Uh, 
uh, he was the competition at yeah, the time. But, right, uh, right. Know, yeah. Well, when I was when mm-hmm. I came down here for college, it was hip, it was Hip City. It was, you know, it was, it, 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 I, I like it like that. that. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. yeah, sure. Uh, that that was my hangout place too. One of nine thousand record stores in Newark. That's at the right, time. right, right, <laughs> and a good one it was too. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, people people say that it's nice when people yeah. say that. Yeah, let's just do your general do job journey. history, okay? Okay. Well, high school job job wise, uh, as a kid at Allmart, docking shelves and things. You know, the last couple of years of high school, I was doing that. You know, that kept me near record stores too. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, sure. Uh, sure. Where'd you go to high school? Concord. I should have Concord High School. Okay. Up in, uh, up North Wilmington. Didn't work when I was going to college. I went to college at um, out in Dickinson College, out in Central PA. Oh yeah, Carlisle. Mm-hmm. Sure. There was a little record store down the down the street from from uh, the the college up there, and that's where I started doing radio. Okay. Uh, pretty, really quickly, actually. As a, as, you know, I think as a freshman, I was you know got got some like early Saturday morning shift when everybody else was drunken and bleary, you know. But um, that was that was something I, I continued all my years there. Was what there kind of, was there a format up there or it was no not so much it was a it was a tiny station uh maybe just like ten watts or so at first just kind of like the campus and a little bit off the campus got a little bit bigger maybe you had to go through your training and and get a show but it wasn't strictly formatted really um and and different different people did different things throughout the day so I kind of like did an early morning show for a little while and then then moved into a regular rock show later in the day. I think I was like I was I had some position. I was like a music director or something, something program director maybe for for a year or so. I think maybe my sophomore year, and then I went I was I went away to England and spent my my junior year in England. Ooh. And uh, did you buy some records over bought there? Bought a lot of records. <laughs> I was I, I was in England in eighty eighty one. So this was Echo and the Bunnymen and and. Uh, seeing the cure at some small college hall, and, and oh. uh, you know, the, the, this college, I was at this place called the University of East Anglia, uh, which is a little bit off off the beaten path, but but a but a major school, and they would bring bands in, and you know, they had one like festival weekend where it was um, the fall on Friday, the the jam on Saturday, and Elvis Costello on Sunday. Oh man, you know, so, and, and this this was in like the the, the college. Um, Social hall, you know, a couple hundred people, something like that. You two on their first tours, all, all that stuff. So wow. I was seeing the music all the time. Yeah, too. yeah, and, yeah. And and buying sig- singles and albums and figuring out how I was going to get home with them. That was a formative year, for, formative experience too. Sure, reading the NME all the time too. Yeah, sure. And the um, musical, new musical yeah. express. Yeah, right. The magazine. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, did some some traveling to see some stuff visiting some friends in in Italy who were also away for college and we we went to like Geneva to see Springsteen in some big place and it was it was a, it was a great time too wow so that that was my junior year and then back back at Dickinson for my senior year and did did kind of a, a new wave show then called Rock Against Racism which was a, like a, a cribbed from some um no Race against the race against rockism, which was flipping that. Oh, right, I see. I right, see. Which was a, a, a crib from some some British British phrase or something like that. Yeah. But, oh, but, sure, but sure. Playing lots of like teardrop explodes and orchestral maneuvers in the dark and things like things like that. You're that starting to lead me now. I used to yeah. sell this stuff, but I didn't. Right. right. <laughs> I didn't necessarily know what it was. Yes. But good. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just stayed with that stuff, or stayed, or stayed interested in in in, mm-hmm. in in the like the evolution of that stuff too. So down to University of Delaware for grad school, 
And um, are you in English at this point? English? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was an English major and, and getting my master's in English down here, and got in, got involved with radio right away. I was doing cutting edge shows on XDR back in the little like little shack uh, studio and on the third floor. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so what year did you start? Eighty. I think. Yeah, I was here Good. from 82 to 84 as a student. Yes, right. And I stayed. Right, right. So it was, it was cutting edge stuff um, then. And that, that, that's when, you know, like, and, and for a time after that, you know, doing, doing college radio was cool, you know, and that's where people, people listened locally for, for information or to hear new things. And then it was, a, it was a, yeah. you know, a, kind of a tastemaking thing too, which is, I don't get the sense it's quite the same as that anymore. Well, the inspiration for this show is when I took my daughter down to school and I thought, well, gee, cool. I'll get to walk through the dorms and, and hear what's coming out of the, the dorms. And everybody's got their earphones on. You know, no one's doesn't no one listens to music that way anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You go, I don't know how you find new stuff. I mean, it seems kind of a random. Well, no, it's not random is the problem. You're, you're kind of led. You're, algorithmically. You're led the thing algorithmically. Thank you very much. Yes, right. And. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, that's fine, but you need much, you need more than that. You yeah, know, you, you, you have to be surprised by something, you know. And it's nice to have the context and, 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 and other connections and have somebody like pushing, pushing your boundaries a bit more. Right, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I keep using Bitches Brew as my example, walk down the mm-hmm. hall and somebody's playing Bitches Brew. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> you know, yeah. and I never would have gotten that on my own. You yeah. Know, probably, but not that quickly anyway. Right, right. Wow. So... So right now your day job is? I'm an English teacher up at Archmere Academy uh, mm-hmm. High School. Uh, been there for a long time, too. I, I went there after, after getting my, my master's down here, fell into, fell into Archmere, and have stayed ever since. So, and I do, I do that, and then I also you know, side job things. I, I, I do, so I've been writing about music, music journalism stuff, so for music magazines and uh, Philadelphia Inquirer. And another journey that actually kind of started, started – down here some because Lydia Anderson at the time was was a I think a music director down here I program remember, director I remember, remember Lydia. Lydia sure you know mm-hmm. I th- I think maybe when I like she was here maybe when, when I was in grad school or soon thereafter and she's she was also and ended up marrying Chris who was one of the managers of Burt's Records too so like oh. I was friend, friends with them but but Lydia mm-hmm. went on to uh, left here and worked for CMJ. Uh, up in New York, the College Music Journal. Yes, uh, and then she, I mean, she started uh, doing some writing and work work for them, and she became the editor of their their commercial publication, the New Music Monthly. And when she was became editor there, uh, asked me and some other folks if we wanted to contribute, start writing too. But we'd also kind of like done some like zine kind of stuff, informal like writing about music yeah, for right. for one another and photocopying stuff and just sharing it amongst ourselves. So, so, so that's the kind of mixing two of my journeys, I guess, with the with the the teaching writing as an English teacher and writing about music because I like music and I like reading about it and and things too. So, so tell us some of the things you've published. Followed Lydia. Lydia started working for Barnes and Noble, and Barnes and Noble, when their music site was, you know, publishing interviews and and reviews of their own. So I was did mm-hmm. some work for them, and then started sent some stuff. I thought I'd, I wanted to write for some print thing that might be local, and sent some stuff to some of the Philly places, thinking that maybe one of the like the City Paper or Philadelphia Weekly be interested. And the Inquirer called me, uh, drafted me to start start writing there. So. I've been doing that, and that's that. That's been a long-term thing. Doing like little um, 
show previews and concert reviews and interviews and album reviews, uh, although that's changed and downsized over the years too. Some other magazines, Magnet Magazine, the like, like rock magazine out of Philly, um, Harp, which kind of like a alt, kind of old country became Blurt uh, magazine and had done some things for the Oxford Americans music issue and thing. How about the the Wendy Renee? Yeah, that that was the Oxford American. Okay. Yeah. And describe yeah, what, Ox, what Oxford Oxford, Oxford Americans are like they 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 build themselves as the you know the 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 magaz, the Southern magazine of good writing or something. So, but annually they do a music issue, which is kind of their 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 biggest seller. Uh, and it's kind of historical. Often they 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 ended up doing more each issue based on a different state and, and sort of digging into the the history of music in that state. And they, um, some interviews and so, sometimes interviews, sometimes like a little historical perspective. Um, I did some, like that Wendy Renee thing, who who, who was a after laughter comes tears, right. a great stack single, right? Too, and uh, the thing I did for them. Was was a little bit of like how that how that song kind of ended up being covered by a lot of people. So I I, I talked to talked to several people. I, I didn't talk to her because she was there, there, but I talked to RZA from the Wu Tang Clan because yeah that that was a, an important song for for some, one of their early singles and and um, somebody like uh, um, some Scandinavian like uh, uh, it was like Licky Lee or somebody like that who had also covered the covered that song. There were like four or five people who covered the song and it's kind of like talked to them wow. about the song. Did something with um, this woman Fern Jones, who was like a, a gospel singer, kind of Elvis-like. Interviews for the Inquirer, uh, kind of calling card ones. Uh, interviewed Aretha Franklin brief, you know, once, and wow. Dolly Parton, and folks, folks like that. So, oh, but wow. then a lot of indie, indie, indie folks. A lot of people who who I care a lot about, but but the general public doesn't necessarily. I never saw your Aretha interview. Yeah. Did you get anything out of her? It was it was really hard to set up. It was it was like maybe four years, three, three or four years before she died. It was she was gonna be. She had this album, I think called Divas, where she did a, a bunch of covers of more recent uh, recent female singers. Mm-hmm. And it was right around Christmas time, and like, like kind of they were desperate. They they wanted the inter- the interview because she was gonna be at the Kimmel Center. But then I like I, I kept getting strung along, and finally got to talk to her for like twenty minutes while she was Christmas shopping for her grandkids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And and uh, but it, but but she was she was like I, I was intimidated, but she, but but she was engaged and she was very interested. Like, like I was talking about like like some I was talking about some of the reissues and there was some um, album of a performance of hers in Philly that had come out. You remember this? Like like pretty recently. Oh, I, I do yeah. know that. Yeah, Rhino put it out. Yeah. I think um, it was like at a disc jockey convention up in Philly. Right. I think like, like the early 70s, I think yeah. like 72, something like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and yes. she yes. she hadn't like she hadn't heard about it, but she was like really interested like, ooh, who's putting that out? Where's the money for that? Like what's like she yeah. was, was going to be very protective of of of, of that. Uh, Her business. Too. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure, sure. Oh, I hope she got paid on yeah, that. I, yeah, I do I mean, too. Yeah. If it's, it was Rhino, she probably should have. You, you would think yeah. that wouldn't. Yeah, I think Rhino would have done done the right thing, yeah. I think. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, any other interview you want to talk about that you, you did? or any, uh, any? Well, I've had a few people. Like, there, were, there were a few kind of people down over the years that I brought down here. If my show was going to be like the night of somebody playing, you know, there's like band Marah. Uh, Philly band uh, or Amy Rigby. Uh, oh, some really? Folks like, yeah, oh, who yeah. Who going to be in town and sort of like set up a little thing. I, I didn't do a lot of those, but but occasionally I had people come down. Was she fun? She was. Smart songs and funny songs. 
Yeah, they sound goofy at the at first, but many of them are deeper than yeah. you think. Yeah, yeah. clever uh-huh. too. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, your show, All Tomorrow's Parties, again. Uh, has it changed at all over the years? Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Even, like, it started in the, in the late late '90s, mid to late '90s. I, I think actually Lydia was, was was kind of partly responsible for giving me that 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 sort of specialty show slot. And it's been Tuesday evenings all the time. The the the, the hours have shifted some. Um, partly because I, I, the the cutting edge hours were too early for me to make it down here after work from up north in Wilmington. Yeah, yeah. Too, so I was mm-hmm. looking to stay involved involved with things. So the show started as a a kind of more of a themed rock show. You know, each each week would be a, a bunch of songs built around some randomish idea. You know, there was a, like like songs that you know, had real people in the titles, or or songs that were all over seven minutes, or uh, kind of random stuff. But there was some some like catch to it in some ways. But but the idea was always like like broaden this like broaden the segues. I was kind of always interested in like, can I get from point A to point F? In two steps, you know, yeah. like, like so, so, and, and without it being being uh, incoherent, but also kind of like different each week. So, but the but the theme thing kind of became too exhausting after a few years to come up with something that was that was was relevant. Oh yeah, to. sure. So then it more evolved into something new, and then build stuff around it, and sort of kind of put in some sort of either historical context or just like you know, here's some new stuff, but let's surprise people with other stuff around it. And had a lot, of, a lot of co-hosts, a lot of like partners over, over the years. Um, sometimes students who were, were like deeply into the like the, the sort of the breadth of the the, the history of the music. Uh, sometimes other community members too. And occasionally it's been just like me hanging on through through the years. Uh, um, and then everybody kind of brings their own kind of personality or some, something to it. So now Sarah and I alternate, and Sarah, who'd been a long time kind of Java time host and now. Right. I, yeah, right. Yeah. I, I confess I wasn't aware. I mean, I don't listen to the yeah. evening. I don't li- listen to the radio in the evening very much anymore. Yeah. Friday nights accepted, but yeah. uh, I'm always watching politics on television to right. tell you the truth. But, right. um, and it's so much fun. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, so Sarah's on. So Sarah, who was very popular in the morning show, I thought, yeah. you know, yeah. so she's alternating she's with doing, you. Yeah. That's yeah. great. That's yeah. great. And she's a, maybe a little bit more pop leaning than I am, but that's fine. That's fine. You know, hopefully, people are listening just for the for the surprise and the fun of it too. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh huh. Sure. Sure. But you, you, you know, like, I, I think part of the I mean, part of my idea is like like it's it's not one thing each week. Some weeks it might be more rock and roll. Some weeks it might be more you know weird or or something or more quiet or more loud or you know, it's, it's, it, it, it is what it is. You know. Yeah. Too. And sure. hopefully, people are just like kind of. Tuning in and, and curious or, or willing to go along for the ride. I kind of think of it as kind of like either it's a show for young people who don't know the old stuff or old people who don't know the new stuff, perhaps. Why don't you tell us what where you got the name for your show? Altamore's Party. It's a, it's a song from the first Velvet Underground record, the Velvet Underground and Nico record. And it, it was kind of like, we need a title for this show. And I grabbed something. But but then subsequent to that, it became like a like Altamont's part is a big music festival now in in England or had been for for years too. But oh. I had it first. But you beat him too. Yes. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> We've been talking to Steve Klinge here from All Tomorrow's Parties. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, Steve. Take Great. care. You've been listening to Disc Jockey Confidential here on WVUD. 
These shows are part of longer interviews I conducted over the past few years, so some of the times and dates mentioned are not current. I hope to have the complete interviews available as podcasts in the near future. Tune in next Monday at 8.30 a.m. for another edition of Disc Jockey Confidential. The whams. Oh, did you? Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. I, I called in some, I used to call in like for contests, like that when, when Yes It Is by the Beatles was out. Okay. If you, I don't know if you know that one, but there's like a, a, guitar, a weird feedback guitar going, and the disc jockey wanted to know what anybody thought this weird sound was or something. And yeah. so I, I thought it was one note of a harmonica or something. So I called yeah. it. Anyway, but. Uh, did you win something? Didn't win the you... contest, no. Yeah. I think it was Bill Quay, the uh, one-armed disc jockey. They had a one-armed disc jockey on Whams, and and he was kind of into the music. Well, he, we, I remember him really dissing the Beatles, actually, when he, he played Kansas City by the Beatles and said, that is terrible. Oh. I mean, yeah, and I don't remember disc jockeys commenting very much on stuff, uh, but he did on that yeah, one there. Anyway, yeah. and they you had to guess, oh, Leon Russell was coming to town, but you had to guess where it was. And they kept giving clues all day. And finally, you figured out it was, they announced like at four o'clock or something, it was going to be Conchahawken. It was outdoors someplace in some big field in Conchahawken or something like that. Wow. You remember that? Yeah. 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 I remember Wibbage, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't one of the stations I listened to. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Do you remember uh, one station had a, uh, it was a contest. I think it might have been Wibbage after Wibbage. Wibbage kind of almost adopted like an FM format Mm -hmm. for a while. Anyway. I don't know if they called it. Any, yeah. I mean, Wasn't, on the air, I don't yeah. think they called it. And I guess AM was, after Whams, everyone stopped listening to AM, yeah. I guess. Huh? Yeah, I can't really remember anything else on AM that that was, like, on my, you know, aside from, like, news mm-hmm. radio things. Kind of, huh. Uh, so it wouldn't have been DAS. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, Could, I, might, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if they ever went that. Or how about... Uh, it might have been DAS. Power 99? Did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. Maybe DAS, but I'm, I'm not sure. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you yeah. either. I started to scatter. What uh, was another one? Uh, how about I-92? Do you remember that? Um, mm-hmm. Wasn't that called? That was like a new wave. That was mm-hmm. that was a new wave thing. Mm-hmm. That was in the early 80s. Uh, Red Skies at Night. I used, they used to play that one. Uh, yeah. Midnight Oil. I think, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, what else did they play? We can edit some yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. So, uh, uh Oh man! Now I'm gonna now I put myself on the, but they it was they were gonna it was it was like a big deal. They were changing and they were gonna Go you know, compete with MMR and stuff like that. And it was an inter- it was an adventurous playlist, but uh, I don't think they lasted that long. I, I'm calling it I ninety two. It was it was somewhere down there, but it was commercial. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, all right. So so I I remember here here's uh, maybe another anecdote, but but I remember. Um, uh, but maybe we'll, we'll get to that. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, and um, you didn't go into dry goods, did you, by any chance? At the, I did. Fifth I remember, market. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. The, yeah. The dry goods down, and and then the one up in um, up on uh, Naaman's Road for a while there too. 